Well, kia ora, and welcome to a bit of a deep dive on what's happening in the supermarket sector. This week, there were submissions made to a parliamentary select committee on the changes going through Parliament to the Commerce Act, which uh, would remove restrictive covenants and clauses on uh, land titles and on shopping centre leases that allow supermarkets to stop other supermarkets from going into those shopping centres or other shopping centres being built uh, on other pieces of land. This has been a key tool used by the duopoly of foodstuffs and Countdown in recent years to ensure that there aren't any new competitors that come in. We've known about these leases and covenants for a while and they were reported on in reasonable detail with some numbers in the final report from the Commerce Commission into the, its market study of the grocery sector. However, we didn't quite know how widespread the use of these uh, leases were and uh, how restrictive they were. Well, this week, Catherine Rich from the Food and Grocery Council made a submission, a detailed submission to the Select Committee, which included examples of the leases that have become standard for grocery operators when doing uh, leases with shopping centre owners. And it turns out they're not just saying we don't want Aldi or, or others to bring in uh, new supermarkets. They actually have clauses which mean that all sorts of little shops can't open, including the likes of florists, uh, fruit and veggie stalls, nail salons, uh, various types of takeout food. And this is to ensure that they can stop potential competitors coming in on areas that maybe even the supermarkets haven't gotten into yet. Uh, after the uh, submissions to the Select Committee, I spoke to Catherine Rich from the Food and Grocery Council to get more detail on what's in these leases, which she has uh, suggested to the committee needs, needs to be uh, specified in the law so that uh, these extras, these real widespread exclusions can be um, uh, stopped. In particular because she thinks that uh, it has been one of the factors in really cutting mum and dad smaller to medium uh, local stores out of the big shopping centres, leaving a, a bit of a wasteland really of the big shopping centre owners and then the, the really big fashion chains. Although interestingly, uh, some of the uh, clauses in the leases um, also <laughs> allow the supermarkets to stop fashion, electronics and other uh, uh, types of product from being sold in shopping centres. Now, then I spoke to Matthew Tukaki, who is the executive chair of the National uh, uh, Māori Authority, who have submitted to the Commerce Commission and are supportive of the Food and Grocery Council's submission to get rid of these leases and covenants, and is also keen to uh, see new competitors come into the market. Um, in particular, it sees the potential for iwi authorities to work with uh, others to bring in either a third force or at least to uh, help supply uh, third competitors through uh, wholesale channels or retail channels. And in particular, he'd like to see uh, uh, some of the individual brands still owned by Foodstuffs and Countdown potentially sold off to help uh, bring in some of this competition. Foursquare, for example, which have uh, smaller supermarkets up and down the country in various rural and provincial areas. And uh, you've also got uh, Countdown, which is owned by Woolworths Australia, 
uh, having a couple of uh, brands in uh, in and around the country which aren't uh, branded Countdown, which are super value and fresh choice. So uh, have a listen now. These are the full interviews I did with Catherine Rich and Matthew Tukaki this week after they submitted to the uh, Business Science and Innovation Select Committee in Parliament on the uh, grocery covenants uh, bill, uh, uh, which has been read for a first time and is now going through the select committee process. So, Catherine, what did you discover uh, when you saw some leases that supermarket operators have with shopping centres? Well, we discovered that there was no one thing uh, that was an exclusivity clause, that there are actually a suite of oppressive clauses that have the same effect of blocking not just grocery retail but almost any retail that comes close to a supermarket. But that was the first thing. The the thing that we found the most surprising was some really oppressive clauses that do things like that require landlords to block district plans, new stores, new developments... Uh, and campaign on behalf of the supermarkets to oppose any new developments that may come close to having an effect on a store. And I had thought that this sort of stuff had been ruled out of the Resource Management Act (laughs) years ago, but um, it would be interesting to know if we pulled the submissions um, that Costco no doubt um, had placed in opposition, how many of those would be legitimate and just people fulfilling the, the requirements of their lease. But the The other thing was that while supermarkets have very narrow definition of what a supermarket is when it comes to uh, liquor laws and other parts of legislation, in leases, a supermarket is described as an exhaustive list of almost everything. So they cover uh, almost anything that can be sold to anybody at any time, and it's without limitation, so it's future-proofed if they want to add to the list. So... most New Zealanders wouldn't think that uh, childcare services, banking, finance, um, arts and crafts, men's shoes, and a, a hairdressing and a whole bunch of other sorts of services would be deemed a supermarket, but in supermarket leases they are. Uh, in terms of the exhaustive list that we've published today, it includes everything that I can think of, perhaps apart from tattoo parlours and antique dealers, uh, but who knows, that could be added at a later time. Now, I'm being f- it sounds flippant, but the reason I think the definitions are so broad is because the supermarket wants to have full control and veto power about who else the landlord leases to. And that has a big impact on the fabric of centres, the fabric of our communities, because a lot of the mum and dad shops, the butchers, the bakers, the delicatessens, the hairdressers, the pharmacies, uh, I thought had all gone because of competition. I now wonder whether it's because they've been ruled out in these leases up and down New Zealand. The bill today is a step forward, but we've said you've got to look at the definitions to make sure that some of these other oppressive clauses are captured, because the effect's the same. It deters or creates a barrier of entry to others coming in because we want a landlord to be able to say I want to have a vibrant array of services in a centre because I want it to serve my community but furthermore uh, if an Aldi or a smaller format warehouse or any other grocery retailer comes in that it's okay to lease to them because that's competition. Today the select committee asked 
what would good competition look like? And when Matthew Tukaki of the National Maori Authority was questioned, he 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 said, "Look, four or f- you need four or five. You need a choice." If you and I would agree with that because if you're looking at markets around the world, countries like Denmark and Ireland, which are pretty similar to New Zealand, they've got seven, eight different operators. Uh, in some cases more, and we have, a, we have a significant market. We just can't continue to have this duopolistic situation that just continues to grow and grow and grow. Now you have a, a sample uh, lease here. Do you have a sense of how widespread the use of these um, very widely, uh, widely defined uh, and oppressive sets of conditions, how often they're used and, and how often... Um, shopping centres and supermarkets agree to these uh, agreements? I think they are widely used and that's why I said to the Select Committee today in order to be fully informed you really need to ask for copies. Officials should be given copies of the generic leases. When I've spoken to landlords they say that that very little will change from the generic lease because uh, the the supermarkets have immense power. Uh, It's the same way uh, same approach, I suppose, um, in the way they deal with suppliers. They'll often say, here's the contract, sign it, don't sign it, up to you, like it or lump it. Sort of. and, and that's why I think, um, I, under- I understand from other landlords that there was a signed copies of this particular lease up and down New Zealand, and the landlords had no choice. Um, but they've seen the opportunity, obviously, and they've freely signed it, but really some of these clauses, if if the light of day was um, shined upon them, most people would think, well, that's a bit over the top. Who should um, police these clauses after the bill is passed to ensure that um, some new clauses aren't inserted or that um, uh, they continue to be used? Who's, Who's going to be the policeman, if you like? Well, in the short term, the government has said they are asking the Commission to step up, but that, I imagine, is a short-term interim measure before the grocery regulator or the grocery regulatory body is set up. And uh, on reading the Commerce Commission's report, the recommendation that's been accepted by government is that that body will start to ensure there's ongoing Scrutiny, not just every three years or so, but every year. And what I imagine will happen is that the the regulator will regular, regularly go out, look at leases, look at the state of relationships with suppliers, publish reports which people like you will write about, and that will keep the pressure on, you know, for for improvement. Now, one thing that surprised me in your submission was that. It, there's a retrospective element to it that even if the shopping, the supermarket has left the shopping centre, they're still able to apply pressure for several years afterwards. Could you talk about that? Yes. Well, that was that was a complete surprise uh, for any tenant to say, "I'm tenant, I'm, I'm terminating the lease, I'm moving out, I'm having no relationship with you." Uh, to then require that for up to three years later, a landlord then has to go back to that initial tenant to give first first right of refusal uh, on any terms for a new tenant 
is absolutely bizarre. It's the kind of clause that I imagine um, was put in there as a, you know, can we get away with this? But in a market which is where, where they have such dominant power, the answer is yes, you can. And you know, as a as, as a lay person, I was thinking, there's no one in New Zealand who would think that they could, if they rented an apartment, could say to the landlord, "I'm moving out," but for two and three quarter years, up to three years. I want to approve every single tenant in my flat. Um, it doesn't make sense, and it's one of those clauses that I would describe as oppressive, and it's designed to ensure that it's very hard for that landlord to rent to anybody else who might remotely be defined as a supermarket. One feature of big shopping centres these days is that they seem quite uniform. You have national change throughout. You have one, or if you're very uh, lucky, two of the big supermarket off chains often at the end of the <laughs> of the shopping center do you think that um, that these you know national chains uh, is a is a is a result of these sorts of uh, clauses which seem to really um, squeeze out individual um, small to medium operators yes i i, I have to conclude that that is the case because when I look at the, the incredibly broad definition of what a supermarket is which covers anything you'd like to sell to anybody uh, you can see how over a period of time it's likely that the traditional um, mum and dad stores a lot of the services that communities rely on you know, could have been declined along the way because the supermarkets see their right to sell anything they choose and um, they use these leases to block out anybody who's, who's potentially even comes close. I mean I invite your listeners to go and have a look at the, the definition it's, that, that we've published today it's eye water. I mean who would have thought that who would ever think that they'd go to the supermarket for childcare facilities or um, you know, arts and craft material. No, just it's you know, it's it's uh, they're making making fun of landlords. I think nail polishing was the thing that nail really polish, stood. tattoo parlors aren't in there, but you know, who knows what could be in the future? Matthew Tukati of the National Maori Authority suggested that um, funeral services wasn't in there, but who knows? The, the clauses say without limitation, so that we know in legal terms that means I can add anything I like. Matthew, um, you've just presented to the Select Committee. Um, what would you like to see the, um, the bill include? Well, I think the bill includes uh, enough of what needs to happen to set the, I guess, the train away from the station in, in uh, breaking up these very complex commercial leasing agreements and land covenants and land banking. But as I've said to the Select Committee, um, that might be the case. Section 28, for example, I think is pretty solid, but it then comes down to its effective implementation and then monitoring. So the question I have is if I agree with the legislation, which I largely do, what happens next? Who's going to take control of this? Who's going to monitor it? Uh, and also, what do future leasing agreements need to look like as a result of the legislation? So is there going to be a consistency in some form of agreement um, that the market operators will need to use? Um, that part is, is not yet certain. So Catherine Rich from the Food and Grocery Council presented an example of a lease which seemed to have extraordinarily wide and retrospective clauses mm. which block small um, retail stores from being shopping centres 
if they offer anything which appears even adjacent mm. to what the supermarkets are offering. What do you think it says about how the duopoly operate, the nature of their competition? Yeah, I mean, the duopoly, the, the duopoly operates depending on the operating environment that they find themselves in, and they have taken maximum advantage of that operating environment, which is why, um, in, in many cases, it shouldn't have taken this long for us to, to figure this out and, and catch up. Uh, so when we have a look at the complexity of these, these leases, uh, it literally is a catch-all. Uh, so, for example, you know, the butcher, the deli, the sushi shop, uh, the fish and chip shop, the takeaways, uh, everything from clothing stores and banks with ATMs, uh, they all run in competition to what it is the supermarket itself is attempting to do. I use the example in the select committee of one of the countdowns on Key Street uh, in Auckland, uh, where all of a sudden a pharmacy has appeared in the, uh, in the facility, or here on Lambton Quay, where there's a sushi shop now. Uh, so what that sort of tactic does, or tells me, is that they can afford through their market might to buy goods at a reasonably lower cost, right? Compared to the sushi shop down the road or the pharmacy around the corner who have a lot higher costs because they're running an independent model. And so in, very, in many ways that kills competition off because they use that power and that market might and they generate that through often those leasing agreements. I'll give you another classic example, uh, the, one of the supermarkets in Kaitaia, which is built down the other end of town away from the business district, but in that lease, as an, another example, it excludes everybody um, from operating. And so to Melissa Lee's point, well, uh, wouldn't New Zealanders prefer to have a one-stop shop? Yes, but at what cost, at what price? Uh, so we're going to kill this entire business district that we know as Mum and Dad Main Street in favour of what going up the other end of town because they couldn't find a property in the middle of the CBD to still do the same job, which is to kill up small business. Who do you think should police these rules? Check the leases and then um, prosecute or uh, um, fine people who um, uh, have abused the system. Is it the Commerce Commission, or do you think it should be the grocery regulator? Well, I actually think that this is an opportunity for us to consider what effective competition policy looks like, first of all, and who needs to build, develop and guide that and better inform government in terms of what the operating environment needs to look like. I honestly think that is the role of the Commerce Commission. However, when it comes to the regulatory aspect of it and monitoring whether or not X is doing Y, then that should be a market regulator. Now, whether or not that's going to be the, um, the food and grocery code of conduct mechanism that's being established or what have you, somebody has to have enough teeth to be able to, to effectively monitor and then have the teeth to impose fines. Uh, if that makes sense. And, and so I struggle with whether or not that's the Commerce Commission at the moment. I don't think it is, to be, to be frank and to be fair. Uh, and, uh, and then it comes down to what the legislation is going to look like coming down the line with the Food and Grocery Code of Conduct, uh, the market regulator, the independent oversight, whomever, Tamir, Tamir, Tamir. Uh, and that's going to be, I guess, the real game in town. What do you think the chances are, if these clauses can be removed, that we have new competitive forces come in, either from overseas or locally? So there's a couple of aspects to this. Um, the, the first is it's not going to happen overnight. Um, the first signal that's been made by the government is a signal that we're going to change the operating environment. Um, stage one of changing that operating environment, uh, obviously the, the leases. Now, is that going to be enough to uh, create interest in the market? 
Actually, I think it will. I think it will for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, that's one of the things that people have been looking for. It's hard to operate when your competitor shuts you out. Um, so that's, a, that's the first aspect of it. Who those market operators are likely to be? I don't think Costco is the, the one, it's a one trick pony, right? Um, it's great that they're here, and if there was going to be a Costco in every, every major New Zealand city, maybe that would be the first one, but that's not going to happen. Um, the, the warehouse, increasing their product lines and their shelf space in their major um, warehouse centres, uh, I think is a really clear signal that they're interested. So they could be the third market operator essentially overnight because they already have the distribution, wholesale, warehousing, and also supply and purchasing agreements in place with a lot of providers. But then it comes down to, well, is this an opportunity for iwi to be involved as well? It quite possibly could be if a foreign entity wants to enter the marketplace. Is that Aldi? No, I don't necessarily think it will be Aldi. And the reason I don't think it will be Aldi is because we forget that Aldi had a strong relationship or market entry with Woolworths in Australia. Uh, and that is probably not going to be the case here, unless obviously one of those countdown brands, associated brands might be handed over that creates a really network of both distribution and also retail outlets. But even in that case, I would hope that Māori interests uh, might pick this up. And I do know there's a very active conversation at the moment uh, in terms of uh, some iwi with strong balance sheets um, getting involved. Can you give us an idea of the scale of the supply opportunity for iwi um, throughout the country in terms of um, uh, how involved in the various um, producer areas they are. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you some figures. I mean, 50% of fishing quota is a huge uh, market for us. Um, and we also have a massive export market as well. However, with some of the headwinds coming in from China at the moment, we might have to turn our focus more to domestic supply, so kapai. We don't want to suffer the same indignity as the West Australians with their rock lobster into China and red wine. Um, but the, the second um, big numbers are 40, 30, 20, 10% in dairy and beef and lamb and kiwi fruit. We've got the market in terms of manuka honey. Um, we've got a whole slew of little primary producers uh, in terms of Kofi yogurt from the north and, and so on and so forth. So a lot in that back bay. Now, what is the value of that? We're talking about billions of dollars in the supply of horticultural, agricultural sort of primary produce and goods to the market. Um, and, and yet, um, the pressure on those smaller providers in particular, when it comes to margins and supply agreements with the large market operators, doesn't necessarily allow them to survive. So the government has sort of uh, held over the heads of the supermarket chains a sort of Damocles, which is we might carve off some assets and force you to sell them off. Uh, there's been suggestions that it could be some sort of wholesale operation or it might be some retail brands. Um, uh, do, do you think the government is serious? And if, if it is, what would you like to see carved off? I think, I think the last line in the, in the Minister's press release really did set the scene. And it was a clear signal to the market operators that yeah, you might want to start doing something about this now because the last thing you want to do is for the government to step in. However, we are willing to potentially step in. So I would expect that what we're going to see is these large market operators start having discussions and negotiations with potentially who could be a third or even a fourth market operator. Um, and that could see the divestment in terms of the Fresh Choice brand or even Foursquare brand and so on and so forth, um, but also it would have to be a portion of the wholesale distribution network. Again, it will take time to stand all, all of this up because there are quite complex infrastructure needs and logistics involved as well. Uh, now, if the, uh, the two market operators haven't got the message yet, 
that times are changing uh, and competition policy is changing to reflect that so you better move, uh, then I'm also confident in the efforts of people like the Food and Grocery Council and Catherine Rich, um, the National Māori Authority and other actors and players uh, who are firmly in favour of some sort of divestment. And, and the government has read those tea leaves, um, call them, call them uh, you know, uh, smoke from the fire, uh, but I think the government is willing to act. And this is now becoming a, a much more political issue, given the nature of the pressure on cost of living. And uh, just finally, the government is pushing ahead with this idea of a mandatory uh, wholesale access regime, uh, whereby you don't break up the duopoly, but you somehow force the duopoly to open up their wholesale arms to other potential retail entrants. What do you think the likelihood of that working are? Um, I probably think that's not a, a good lesson we want to do. Um, I, I think possibly uh, the, the problem with the market operators comes down to good faith and trust in the bargaining of where we go from here. Uh, and I can imagine those two market operators, irrespective of what comes down the line, finding loopholes and ways and means to extricate themselves um, by also maintaining healthy profit margins. Uh, so, you know, while it would appear that that's a really great stick, actually, I don't think it is. I'm Bernard Hickey. This has been a bit of a deep dive. Uh, this is a, open to all free subscribers and paid subscribers to the Kaka. And of course, uh, this sort of work in which I look at the political economy with a particular lens on poverty, climate change and housing affordability, this work that I do, this public interest journalism, is made possible by subscribers, full paid subscribers to the Kaka, supporting the work I do and making sure that it gets out into the public domain. I'm Bernard Hickey. That's been a deep dive on the Kaka. <laughs>